Hey, Takeover Church, thank you so much for checking out today's message, whether it's on podcast or on YouTube. We are so grateful that you are here. We pray it blesses you and encourages you and that you will like, share, and subscribe across all Takeover platforms. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. God bless. We love you guys. Am I on? How are we doing? Good. No, we just had an amazing moment in worship. I don't know how you felt, but I felt the presence of the Lord just drop in this place. I'm asking, how are you doing? Woo! Come on, somebody. You know, it's really funny. We pray for church all the time. And uh, one of the prayers I'm going to start praying is that I pray that we never get our stuff together because um, it would be a lot less fun if we just did everything as it was written on our roster. Like give away the right book to the right thing at the right time. Adrian Zach. Anyways, I'm just having some fun. I'm having a good go with them. But this morning, can we just make some noise for just our incredible serve crew here at church who make this happen? Our worship team, our sound team, the host crew, Parker Lab. but it's an absolute honor and joy and privilege to be a part of this church. And if, uh, you know, if for some reason that I found myself just not in the place to, to pass in this church, this is still where I'd want to be. This is still where I would call home. This is still what I'd want to build. And uh, I just believe in this place. It's an, it's an honor and privilege to, to be your pastor. Thank you guys so much. This morning, though, we're going to continue our series. This is war. Come on, say it with your chest. You know it. This is war. Come on. Someone's got to say it better than CJ because every single week, I swear, he just gets more chest hair and the harder he says it. It's so good. It's so good. So you know you're really real manly. Yeah, I gotta quit making chest hair references because there's a lot of ladies in the place. Uh, awkward. But yeah, so this morning, if you're taking notes, this is week seven of our series. This is war. Who's taking notes? Where are my note takers at? I see a light up one. I see some other ones. Oh, yeah. I saw people at the uh, info center beforehand being like, yo, I forgot my notebook. Can I jack this prayer card and write on it? I was like, yes. That's a great idea. But this morning, so we're taking notes. The title of my message this morning is The War for Our Wells. The War for Our Wells. He's got a wet All right, y'all ready to get the word? Yeah. Or for our wells, ready to get the word? Yeah. Let's do it. We're gonna go way back. Somebody said way back. Way back to the Old Testament. The OT. And I'm talking Genesis. All right, Genesis 26, 18 through 25 to start us off. It's not that many verses. You can hang in there. It's gonna be good. Ready? Yeah. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham his father which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham, and he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there was a well of spring water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek, because they contended, there was contention with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that also, so he called it Sitna. But you're not going to sit not here. Uh, and he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called this one Rehoboth. 
saying, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in this land. Verse 23, From there he went up to Beersheba. How many of you know we need some cooler names? These are awesome. Yeah. Beersheba. And the Lord appeared to him that same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you, and I will bless you, and I will multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there, and he called upon the name of the Lord. He pitched his tent there, and Isaac's servants dug a well. The war for our wells. We're going to pray, and we're going to get into it. Sound good? Yeah. You're probably like, where are we going? It's going to be fun, I promise. Jesus, we just ask that you would come. Father God, right now in this moment, we just hand this service completely over to you, God. You know what you want to say. You know what you want to do. Holy Spirit, we know that you are a double-edged sword, that you are useful in cutting between bone and marrow today, God. So however you want to change us, God, we hand it over to you. We lay ourselves down. We know you are the great physician, so take from us what you need to take from us and give to us in its place what you need to give to us to God. Today, God, we ask that you would do only what you can do. We're not interested in and behavior modification today. We're not interested in a six-step program to a better this or that. No, we're interested in being completely transformed by the Holy Spirit today, God. We believe that you're able to do it. In Jesus' mighty name of faith, the church said. Amen. Amen. The war for our wells. I love this piece of scripture. It has been one that has been on my heart since the beginning of the series. And I was like, Lord, when? And he's like, wait. And I'm like, I ain't waiting. Anybody else? It's so terrible. But I love this piece of scripture because here it is. I'll give you a little bit of a background. Y'all remember who Abraham is? Anybody? Yeah. So Abraham's the guy that God was like, yo, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And he's going, when? Because I'm 90. Sarah, my wife, is 70. She's like old and I'm older. And it's like, God, when is this going to happen? And God is like, just trust me. I will give you an offspring, and I will make you the father of many nations. And all of a sudden, here comes Isaac, which is who we're reading about today. And Isaac is awesome. Isaac is the father of Jacob and Esau, which you remember, Esau is that little heel grabber. And like Isaac has his own call of God on his life. But Isaac is the little boy that God was like, yo, trust me, Abraham. Trust me. Not only am I going to give you a son, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Oh, by the way. How many of you love when God gives you an oh, by the way? It's so much fun. It's like catch 22 and you don't know what to do with it. Then he goes, oh, by the way, I actually need you to sacrifice Isaac. And Abraham's like, hold up. Did you miss the part when I said I was 90 and like my wife is old and like we, we about to die and you finally gave me a kid and now you want me to sacrifice this kid? Isaac is the little boy that Abraham was supposed to. To sacrifice. Now we can preach an entire message series about the war for our trust. Amen. Because here is a moment in time where your trust in God is directly parallel with his trust in you. And there's a question in scripture. Are you willing to trust God? Not just with his promises, but the promises he's already given you. Because there's a direct correlation between his promises for your life and you walking in those promises for your life. There's a direct correlation between how much you trust God within the natural and how much he's going to trust you with in the super natural. Amen? Yeah. We could preach a whole other message on that, but that's not why we're here today. But I want to make that very clear that Isaac is a man who is tasked with great promises, with a great call on his life. And here we see him in a moment. This is before he has Jacob and Esau. This is before this whole thing goes down. 
He was somebody who had his own call on his life. And Isaac's call was to return to the land of Abraham here in Israel. And he was to begin again to dig the wells of Abraham. Why is that so essential to our faith today? Because digging the wells again of Abraham, they weren't just simply for kicks and gigs. It wasn't simply so that they could have some more water. It was not any of that at all. This wasn't practical in the least. This was a well that needed to be dug again, all of them. Because there needed to be revival in the land. There needed to be nourishment in the land. This place that God said, I will build through Abraham. Isaac had the call of God on his life to once again go back and dig these very wells. The word tells us that there were Philistines. Y'all remember them? There's Philistines. They're so enraged by the promises of Israel of what was God was doing there, that they filled in those wells, that they put in dirt, that they put in trash, they put in debris, they put in dead bodies. Like there's all sorts of things that were thrown down into these wells just to stop them up and to lay them dormant. But Isaac, Isaac had the call of God on his life to once again dig the wells of Abraham for the promises over his own life for the promises over his family's life, and for the promises that were over Israel as a nation. Does anybody understand the weight? Can anybody here this morning testify to the weight that it takes to bear the brunt of the promises of God for your own life? That's a lot of pressure, right? To be and do all that God has called you to be and do. Now, is there anybody else in here that can empathize with Isaac and understand that there is a call of God on your life? To be the one who makes a way for the promise of God to be evident all over your family. Anybody? Because yeah. I can tell you, you were born in there. You are a Christian in this room. You are in that family for a reason, for a season. And God wants to do something in it. Which is something I'm learning as a son. And a son-in-law. Now can anybody, can anybody grip and come to terms with the same thing that Isaac did? That there is a promise for the nation of Israel, that God has plans for the nation of Israel. Not just that they're his chosen people, but God has plans for every nation. He's got plans for every tribe. He's got plans for every tongue. He's got plans for every person under the sun. And it's Isaac's responsibility to bring revival to that nation. Can anybody empathize with that this morning? Because if you are in this place and you would call yourself a Christian, I can tell you here and now with great certainty that God has a plan for America. That God has a plan for this nation. That God has promises in abundance available for this country of ours. And this is not patriotism. This is called Christianity. If you are a Jesus follower that is alive in this place, that happens to take place in the country and continent of Northern America, God has a plan for this country simply because He allowed you to be here. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. we got to dig the wells of our fathers. Friends, this morning I came to talk about the war for our wells because much like the Philistines, 
much like these guys who hated this nation, God's chosen people so much. You have got a very real enemy for your soul. His name is the devil. He's got little pricks called demons. Sorry, should have said that. But they suck, okay? He's got them. He's got people and culture in the world wrapped around his little finger. And there are things that when you come alive to who Jesus is and who he's called you to be, it automatically puts a target on your back. And whatever wells that come from your father, whatever wells that God has placed over your life, whatever thing God has given you as an assignment to do, you become in direct opposition to everything that is dark. And he's only got one plan, kill, steal, and destroy. John 10, 10, we know it. You got a well over your life, and you also have a very real enemy that lives in direct opposition to that well. And he wants nothing more than to be like Philistines and to throw trash in there, to throw false identities in there, to throw lies in there, to throw dirt in there, to stop this thing up because you have a wellspring over your life. And it's time for the church to begin to dig these wells again. I'm to anybody today. Come on. Some of us, we don't even understand. We don't even know that we should be aware that there is a wellspring available to us. Because here's the deal. We're getting tripped up on the word well. Allergies. Well isn't even the situation. Well isn't even what we're concerned with. It's the living water at the bottom of it that is our concern. Yeah. It's the living water at the bottom of it. That is our concern. Some of us today, we've been living lives, believing the lives of others instead of digging the wells of our Father. You have a well that is available, that is over your life. It is a call, it is an assignment, it is a thing that needs to sit within your soul that you need to go to, that you need to drink from, that you need to come alive to. But for so many of us, because we don't understand that, because we don't know what's available to us, because we never were in a church or with a preacher or with somebody who understood the Bible enough to tell you that God has more available to you and it's abundantly. The abundant life in John 10, 10 that Jesus talks about, it is found in the living water of the wells of your Father. Much like Isaac, I believe God is calling us as a church in this city that is in this nation to begin to dig again because there is water that lays untouched, untested, and untasted. There's so much more. We have limited ourselves to what our God is able to do because of an hour and a half service on a Sunday. Our God is able to do exceedingly above all you can ask, dream, or imagine in that life. It is found in the running waters yeah. of these wells. You know, when I think about when I think about the wells of our fathers, I think about you, where you come from, and your people. I think about me, where I come from, and my people. And so many of us Christians, doesn't matter how long you've been saved, we live a life not understanding 
that these wells were made to be maintained, that these wells were made to be protected, that these wells were made to be fended for, defended for, be on offense for, that the people who came before you in your family line, if you don't know, let me inform you, since the beginning of time, every family unit, every tribe, every person, every family from the beginning of time has had a call on its life, an assignment on its life, and every individual within that family unit has had a call, has had an assignment has had something they were made to do that no other person on this planet can do within that family unit. Every individual has a call. But where we got lost along the way as human beings, as image bearers of God, is that we forgot that for our children, for the future, for what these things look like, it's going to take some maintaining for this well. It's going to have to stop to keep some lions at bay, to keep some wolves at bay, to keep a very real enemy for your children at bay, that there are some things that we need to be doing. Because every single one of us, we have a well of identity that needs to be not only protected, but man, it needs to be it needs to be curated. It needs to be molded. It needs to be formed. It needs to be shaped. It needs to have life spoken into it. Every single one of us. When I think about the wells of our Father, I, and I think about you and I think about me, I think about our identities as individual people. Some of us in this room, and this was something I really felt the Lord was pressing before. Some of us in this room today, probably don't even remember the incident. You probably can't even think back to when it happened. But the people who were tasked, the people who were given the assignment to love you and to, and to raise you up and train you up in the way you were supposed to go, maybe they didn't love Jesus, maybe you weren't raised in church, maybe there was all these different circumstances and situations, but for whatever reason, your well of identity, it had dirt thrown in it at a very young age. Instead of living lives recognizing yourself by the name that God has called you, you've lived a life recognizing yourself as a label somebody else has called you. Amen? And here in this well of identity, maybe you were young and somebody just spoke this over you. You were being a kid and you were being awesome and you were just doing what God made you do, which is being fun and lighting things on fire and doing what kid things kids do. Sorry, little guys. Stephen's like, don't say that. But you're being awesome and you're being a kid and some un unknowing adult had no idea what they were doing or maybe they knew very much what they were doing and they said hey can you knock it off nobody likes people like that no one's going to like you when you get older if you're going to act that way people like you you got to stop being like that you're going to stick out what happens when nails stick out it's not good phrases that are said what are you doing girls don't Girls aren't wrong with the boys. They do. My wife is a testimony to that, and she will destroy all of us in here. But some of us, we were so unaware of something, an implication, an incident that took place when we were young that it shaped and it formed, it expressed who we are and it influenced who we see ourselves as today. And you were robbed and you were taken from, and there is something that happened. 
in that moment from a simple phrase from again somebody who's unknowingly or well-meaning to do it and it completely changed the course of your life your identity was intended to be one thing you were intended to be expressive in this way God put a call on your life but because the well was not maintained and it was not defended and it was not taken care of by those that trust and take care of for you much like Abraham Philistines came through and Fill that thing with mud and debris and dirt. And here it is, that living water of who you were called to be lays dormant at the bottom of it. I just felt today like the Holy Spirit said, get your shovels. Get your shovels. Today is a day that we begin to get liberated in our identity. Today is a day where we begin to dream again because we're going to start digging again. Today is the day where we decide we're going to go back to the wells of our Father and we are going to dig it up and we are going to do what we are called to do. That the assignment for my family didn't die with the people before me, but it lives in me now. Yeah. I appreciate anybody this morning. Yeah. We got to start recognizing ourselves for who God named us, not who others have labeled us. That's a truth that somebody in this room has got to get sunk down deep in there. Because so many of us, we have fought battles with the devil we didn't need to fight. We have given into emotions that we didn't need to give into. Our lives have been run by things lesser than God simply because we did not recognize ourselves for who God calls us. Instead, we've been living our lives by what they've labeled us. It's time to change. Somebody say, get the shovel. Get the shovel. Get the shovel. Get the shovel. My man, CJ. <laughs> He's going to have him behind me in the chair one Sunday to shout me down. It's going to be so good. Old school, you know, preaching. we got like the preaching people behind you. They're just yelling at you. No? No Kenneth Copeland fans? Got it. It's great. Uh, dig again the wells of Abraham. I think it's essential to every single Christian because there is so much more available to us and it's more than meets the eye. There are things in our lives that we have got to contend for if we want to see God move in it. Some of us today, we got to stop building our brands and we got to start digging wells. Some of us say we got to stop. Yeah. Some of us say we got to stop building empires and start digging wells. Some of us say we got to stop building our dating and our dating profiles and start digging his wells. Some of us say we got to stop living by their names for us and we got to start digging these wells. God wants to move through you, but so many Christians, we live today unactivated, unaware, unadjusted, and completely directionless and convictionless. And God is saying, I've made it all available in my well, but somewhere it hasn't been defended, and somewhere dirt has been tossed in, and somewhere someone was allowed to creep in and rob from you where I called you to reap in. I love in this verse, it says that he reaped in the land that God led him to. He reaped. How many of you know you're going to reap in the land when it's the right land? Amen. You're going to reap if you're in the right land and if you're sowing into the right land. So many of us Christians, we live lives going, I feel like all I do is get robbed from. I feel like all I get is stolen from. I feel like people are just coming in in the night and the enemy is just allowed to run roughshod all over my life. I hate this microphone. I do. It's more trouble than it's worth. I swear. Everybody on my team hates that I'm going to do this right now. But I don't. It's terrible. That thing's just terrible. It's 
Am I on? There we go. Okay, sorry, I hate the pop, this doesn't pop. I'll hit myself a couple times, but it won't pop. It's good. But I'd rather get the message out. I'd rather get the message out. Yeah. I don't care about this right now. This morning, there's some very there's some very real wells in this place that need to be start being dug. There are some things in your life that God has spoken over you. There are promises that are bigger than yourself. If you want the exceedingly above, all that you can ask or dream or imagine, Ephesians 3.20, life, that that is the life that you are looking for. It is found at the bottom of a well. If you want healing in your body, it is found at the bottom of a well. If you want financial provision from heaven that is unexplainable, but it's attainable, it's found at the bottom of a well. And I'm sick and tired of seeing Christians live defeated lives with debris thrown in there, with mud thrown in there, while there is living water. There's living water available to you. we got to start taking advantage of this then. You weren't called to live a natural life. You were called to a supernatural life. You were called to an ordinary life. You were called to an extraordinary life. There are things that our God says, I have positioned heaven directly behind you to blow wind into your sails, but it's found at the bottom of your Father's well. Don't get robbed in the wrong in the wrong land. Reap in the right land. Amen. There are some things in our lives that need to be dug up, that need to be taken advantage of. That we gotta start examining and we gotta start excavating. My father used to be an excavator. You know what he had? A big huge backhoe. And you know what he did with that? He dug big huge holes and he put in septic tanks and wells and all of these things. So this is something I understand incredibly well and a little bit intimately as my dad once pushed me into a septic tank that was full. Anyways, pray for me. I have problems. Can't you tell? Yeah, he seems like he was pushed into a septic tank that was full. Thank you. But you have got a well that has been made available to you and to your family, and there is a future that is available on the other side of it for you. Do you know what happens when a well isn't maintained? Do you know what happens, especially in biblical times? In this scripture, obviously, we're talking about a very literal well here, but when Jesus, he met the woman at the well, do you remember this portion of scripture? You know? When he meets this woman at the well, he says, have one drink of what I got, and you will have a well spring of life spring up on the inside of you. Well and spring, those aren't one word. Those are two different words. There is a well that exists on the inside called your soul, and in there, when you have a drink of what I got, spring forth life. Yeah. Do you know what happens, though, and especially in biblical times, because we don't really have wells like this because it would be illegal. Do you know what happened in biblical times with wells? If a well wasn't maintained, if a well had debris thrown into it, if wells filled back in with dirt, if a well was just left unattended and uncontended for what happened to that well, that well becomes a prison. An army, when they would move into a town, they would use abandoned and dried up and desolate wells, and that's where they would throw prisoners. Go back to uh, the prophet Jeremiah when he called Israel a bunch of broken cisterns. Well, guess what they did to him? Because they didn't like it. They threw him in an abandoned well. And it says there was no water. It was bone dry. It was a prison. What was meant to nourish your life will begin to imprison your life if it is not maintained. Come on, somebody. I'm going to say it again. What was meant to nourish your life will imprison your life if it is not maintained. What was intended to liberate your future will become an incarceration for your future if it is not well maintained. Amen? It's supposed to be a destination for destiny to be had, but instead it will incarcerate your future. Yeah. An unattended well. 
an unmaintained well, an uncontended for well, one that doesn't get dug back up, one that is just left to its own devices for other people to come and have their way with. It's happened to an entire generation of Christians because it's the American church. We would just rather have you fill our seats instead of tell you there's power. An uncontended well. I'm sorry, as your pastor, I'm going to contend for your well. Yeah. I'm going to contend for your well. I'm going to contend for your well-being. I'm going to contend for your marriage. I'm going to contend for your future. I'm going to contend for your worth, your identity, all of it, because this is work that you've got more power available to you than you will ever know what to do with. But you have a well that has been uncontended for, and it's time to start digging. If I preach to anybody, yeah. so many of us, we live directionless and convictionless lives. And we go, God, where are you? What are you doing? Where have you been? I feel like we were so close, and now I feel like there's so much distance and distortion. I feel like I don't even know you. I show up to church, and I serve, and I go to a boys' crew and band crew, but I feel like you and me, God. I don't know what to do. We ain't talked in a minute. I don't know what to do. Friends, can I encourage you that if you feel distant from God, if you feel discouraged with God, or you feel like there's distortion with God, He has told us in His Word numerous times that He will never leave you nor forsake you. He has not moved from you. If you are feeling directionless, you better start digging. If you are feeling convictionless, you better start digging. If you feel like there's some distortion between what you're hearing and what you're saying and what you're seeing and where you're going, if you feel like there is something off between you and God, you better start digging. So many of us, we look for direction in all these different areas. We look for significance in all these different areas. We look for God to be available and to give us satisfaction in all these different areas. So we'll run to a guy and we'll run to a girl and we'll run to a career and we'll run to a business and we're looking for satisfaction. And all these wrong places that can never deliver on what they promise you. And friends, can I encourage you this morning, if you are looking for your satisfaction, your direction, in a woman, or in a man, or in a career, or in a job, or in money, or in a college, chances are, you've got some digging to do. Yeah, yeah. Chances are that well has been left to its own devices. Yeah, yeah. Chances are that well has not been contended for in quite some time. If I can be frank with you for a moment, if you feel like you have a loss of significance or you need to look for significance in all of these other places other than God, that well is looking pretty dry. That well has been taken advantage of and that well is right for you to start digging. Amen. Come on, somebody. So many of us, we're going... Earth to God. Hello. That's why they hate the use today. We're looking for him. And we're asking him, God, where are you? I just feel so distant from you. Some of us, we're looking for God and our healing. We feel like he's just far off. God, I just need you to heal my knee, my legs, my whole situation is messed up. I was never intended to live this way. I know what your scripture says. I know Jesus went to the cross to restore us to what it was in the garden and make it even better. It's to be a relationship with you. All these things are abundant. But God, where is it? Some of us were looking for a single season to end. And we're going, God, where is my spouse? Activate my spouse. Activate me. Activate something. What is going on? And we live in this place. We're waiting for things to be activated. we got a bunch of people in our church right now that are so hungry for the spiritual gifts. The gifts of the Spirit. They're like, dude, I want to talk in tongues. Dude, I want to prophesy. Dude, I want to do all of these things. But I'm just like, God, 
friends. You will never get activated until you get saturated. Amen. I'm going to let you sit with that one for just a second before I get really excited and repeat it again because that's just what I do. <laughs> but it's true. You are living lives where you are waiting to be activated, but you will never be activated until you get saturated. And the only way to get saturated is found at the bottom of your well of your father. I'm not talking about Ted Maynard, my dad. I'm not talking about Todd Kramer's ex-dad. I'm talking about your father, God. He has made a well and many of them available to you over your life. Promises, gifts of the Spirit, things for you to walk in. Yeah. But until you get saturated, you will never be activated. You're going to look for call. You're going to look for significance. You're going to look for self-worth in a man or a guy or a girl or whatever the situation is. You're going to look for significance, wandering around in the darkness. And God is saying, if you would just get wet for a minute, I could do something in your life. I could move in your life. Begin again to dig the wells of your father. Some of us are wondering how to maintain our well. That's a good question. But it's the wrong question. That's the wrong question this morning. Don't ask me today, how do I maintain? How do I maintain a good relationship with God? How do I maintain good access to the well? Maintaining isn't the goal today. Can I encourage you this morning? Maintaining isn't the goal. Digging deeper with God is the goal. Going further with God is the goal. It's not about fending off and maintaining. It's about going deeper with God. Amen? Because Amen. here's the deal. Some of us, going back to that whole thing that took place, I was talking about when you, you know, you were a kid or something or somebody said words over your life and they just messed you up from the jump. Going back to those things, some of us, you've got relationships in here that have wounded you deeply. And God's like, if you're not willing to dig out the well of forgiveness, I can't activate you. That forgiveness, unforgiveness, is holding you back more than not having money, more than not having a college education, more than not being in the right place or the right land or at the wrong time or sowing or whatever you think your excuse is for not having the promise of God be evident in your life. That well of forgiveness, it has been barred, it has been blocked up, and the dam is ready to break for you if you're not willing to go back and dig it up, dig up the dirt, dig up the hurt, dig up the words, dig up the fights, and see that my wellspring of life and water is available. Destiny is available. Direction is available. But it's on the other side of your unforgiveness. Some of us, we got self-worth issues. We do. You see yourself a completely different way and cannot tell you this. The Bible tells us that when Isaac went back to dig the wells of Abraham, that he named them the same names that his father had named them. Some of us today, man, you have been called on things what the world has called it, but God is saying, I need you to declare what I have called it. Some of you are looking at divorce as a death. God's looking at a rebirth and a resurrection. Come on, somebody. Some of us, we're looking at the political scheme. We're going, what is going on in this country? And God's going, no, no, no. This country's right for a resurrection, but it's going to take some Christians to perform an insurrection. Come on, somebody. God is saying, you You've got to start calling this thing what I have called it. 
There's a reason that when Isaac dug the wells of his father again, when he was going to bring revival to the nation of Israel, he called it the same things that God directed Abraham to call it. There is power in his words and there is pity in yours. Yeah, There is power in his words. There is power in his name. He has called it something on purpose. Yeah. Just looking for the well of my healing to finally be open. Well, are you calling yourself broke and beaten and battered and done? Or are you calling yourself whole and healed? And I'm going to contend for this thing in the spirit. And I'm going to fast until I see breakthrough. And I'm going to get people to pray and march with me. What are you going to do? This well has to be dug. It has to go back to. It's available. Some of you grew up in church where they didn't teach healing. They didn't preach healing. And guess what? There's a well of healing available to you, but some of us, we got to go back and we got to dig up the bad theology that's not in the Bible. And we got to start taking God at His word and going, God, if you said, I'm going to look like a fool. And I'm going to keep believing. And I'm going to keep digging. And I'm going to go deeper. And I'm going to contend for this thing because there's power in your name. Amen. Still war for our wells, and most of us we live lives not realizing that we have any. We think we're just at the mercy of whatever God provides for you in the moment, or however He decides to give you scraps from the table. No, He says, I've prepared a table for you, but guess where it's at? It's at the bottom of a well. He's made it available, and yet we act like dogs, begging for scraps when He says, I got the whole thing. I've made it available in abundance. But if you're not going to fight off some Philistines, if you're not going to stop people from coming tonight, if you're not going to invest in some people to help watch this for you, you're looking for healing. Get some guards around your well at night when the enemy wants to come in and you're alone and you're in pain and your heart's broken and you feel disoriented with God. Get some people around you to guard that well and start digging. Yeah. This isn't elementary. This is super supernatural. Some of us today are feeling like this is practical, possible, practical about this. There is a well that is available to you on the inside. You're looking to the left and you're looking to the right and you're looking ahead and God's saying, look within. I've already put my Holy Spirit in you. Some of us, we're looking for an X marks a spot. God is saying the Holy Spirit marks a spot. Start digging where he tells you to. Yeah. Isaac says in this verse, God led him to this land. And God led him. This land was in the middle of a famine. It was in the middle of a drought. It might as well have been in the middle of COVID-19, coronavirus, lockdown, Michigan. It was in the middle of a terrible season in life. And God led him there. And where God led him there, he dug there. And where he dug, he was prosperous. He multiplied. He reaped in a famine. Why? X doesn't mark the spot. The Holy Spirit marks the spot. Start digging. Can I read you guys another scripture? You ready for this? Is this good preaching for anybody? Come on, somebody. Genesis 26, 23-25. It'll be up on the sky bottom. Here we go. From there, he went to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared to him in the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you, and I will bless you, and I will multiply your offsprings for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called upon
name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. There Isaac's servants dug a well. Come on, somebody. You want to talk about how do I dig deeper? How do I go further? I don't need to maintain, but God, how do I get down to that water again? I feel like I've been parched. For so long, I am thirsty, I am ready for a move of God, and I need a revival in my marriage, and I need a revival in my kids, and I need a revival in my finances, and I need a revival at work because I work with a bunch of heathens, and they hate God, and they hate me, but it's where you call me, God, I need it. How? How? I love what Isaac says here. From there he went up, and the Lord appeared to him the same night, he said, I am the God of Abraham, your father, fear not, for I am with you and will bless you, and I will multiply your offspring to my servant Abraham's sake. In this scripture, you might as well put in parentheses for your life. Right next to Abraham, you might as well say, Jesus. Jesus. For Jesus' sake, you don't have to fear. Fear not. Because of my servant, because of my son Jesus, fear not. Yeah. Fear not. I will bless you. I will multiply you. I will multiply your offspring. I will come and I will move and you will be prosperous. Why? For Jesus' sake. Because of what he did on the cross for you already. You want to know how to contend for this thing. You want to know how to fight for this thing. You want to know how to go deeper for this thing. Isaac gives you the formula right here and he says... Fear not. At the well, fear cannot exist. At the well is the safest place you will be. At the well, the deeper you go, the enemy can't get you. Yeah. Your confidence is in the Lord. The deeper you go in the well, the more your confidence goes up. Yeah. The further down you get, the more you see, the more you begin to experience with God. The more healings, the more provision, the more supernatural things that you see that don't make sense that natural, but you saw with your own eyes and it happened, the deeper down you get the more secure you will feel. Amen. Fear not. Because for Jesus' sake, God says, hey, you looking for provision? It's at the well. Amen. You're looking to have kids like Adrian and I are? Babe, it's at the well. Amen. And we're going to dig deep. And we're going to get down there. And we're going to see it happen, okay? Amen. We're going to stop and tell people. You want it. It's at the bottom of the well. You keep digging. What happens next? Isaac says, I was directed to where God called me to go. And there, amongst the well, he built an altar for God. A lot of Christians who claim to be Christians and they can show up to church and they can serve once a month, but that doesn't mean that God has an altar in your life. An altar is where you decide, I'm going to place God at his rightful place, at his lordship in my place. We say it all the time. He ain't lord of all. He ain't lord at all. Because why? Lordship means he controls it all. Yeah. But if you don't put an altar in your life where you know what, I decide this is when I'm going to meet with God. And this is how important He is for me. And this is what I'm going to do for God. And I'm going to let Him minister to me while I worship Him. And I am going to spend my days putting an altar in place at this well where I just come to your mercy seat and I say, God, move mightily in me today. God, move mightily in that person today. God, break through where I need you to break through. I'm digging, God. It's right next to that well. You set up shop. And you said, God, this is your spot. This is your house. This is your place. And this is where I will contend on my knees in front of my king, in 
front of my Father, in front of my Savior, through the power of the Holy Spirit, right here, right now, have your Lordship. This is the altar at the well of my marriage. This is the altar at the well of my finances. This is the altar at the well of my spiritual gifts and the call of God on my life. Right here, where college is confusing and the world is confusing afterwards, right here is an altar. Right here on Calvin campus and Cornerstone campus, this is my altar. Right here at whatever place you work at, maybe you're at a restaurant downtown, here is your altar. God, here is the non-negotiable. You are Lord of me at home, at church, and at B-Dubs where I work. You are Lord. What happens next? Right at the altar. Isaac says something brilliant that most Christians, we don't get it. We don't get it. Especially us millennials. Wonder why? Because we do what we want. And we want you to know that we do what we want. I'm going to do what I want, when I want, how I want, where I want, who I want, and do what I want. Millennials. Oh. What Isaac does. He isn't just led to the wells of his father. He hasn't just named them again what Abraham says. He hasn't just set up an altar to worship God at. No, 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 no. He actually says, this is where he pitches his tent. He says, at the altar of God, that's where I'm going to pitch my tent. At the altar of God, this is where I'm going to put my anchor down. This is where I'm going to put my stakes down. This is where you're going to enlarge my tent posts. This is where you're going to provide all of my needs. At the altar of God, this is where I am. Not, I'm not going to check in at some hotel for a weekend, at a retreat, at a conference, at a worship night, and then leave. No, this is where I set up my home. Right at the altar of God is where I pitch my tent. This is where I'll have my kids. This is where I'll have my money. This is where I'll have my healing. This is where I'll have every single area of my life. This is where my single season will reside. This is where my married season will reside. Right here at the altar of God. This tent, I'm pitching it right here. I'm putting stakes down. I am putting skin in the game. And I am proclaiming that from this moment forward, this is what we're doing. This is God's way. And I'm going to do this well. What happens next? Because you want to go deeper. You want to go deeper. You've got to be directed. You've got to think those thoughts. You've got to get that Holy Spirit shovel out. And you've got to go, boy. You build an altar. And you put God at His rightful place. You put your home at that altar and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to live with the Lord. We're going to be right up on the Lord's altar. This is where I reside. And then it says, Isaac dug again. And well. He dug again. Someone say again. Yeah. Someone say again. Again. Someone say again. Again. And again. Again. And again. Again. As you dig as many wells as it takes for you to walk into complete promises and fullness of what Jesus Christ paid for for you on the cross. Amen. This is how you do it. We are going to contend for, and we are going to go deeper, and we are going to see our God do amazing things. Worship team, you can make your way up here. Gone are the days when Takeover Church or any Christian associated with us settles for less than God's best. Gone are the days where we allow lives from all of culture, family, and hell, and friends pour things into our well that don't belong there, that don't profit us at all, that don't actually contend with the Spirit for us, that don't push us further to where we are supposed to go each and every single day. It's our goal as a Christian through the Holy Spirit to live and look more like Jesus. Guess what? There was nat nothing natural about Jesus. Yeah. There wasn't a single natural thing about Him. They have one physical parent. Okay? But 
it's the Holy Spirit's job to change us and shape us and to mold us and to morph us and to empower us like he did Jesus. I want to see healing in my sister. I want to see a relationship that I thought was dead sprout new life. I want to see people who I would call enemies at one point in time turn into friends. I want to see a resurrection of a nation that no matter how jacked up it's been because it has been, but there is a goal in mind that we would be a people after God. I want to see it. A real God. One named Jesus. So as a Christian, I'm going to set up shop at the well that God's called me to dig. I'm going to put an altar there for God to do what he wants to do, and I'm going to live there. And I'm going to keep digging until he tells me not to. You want to know why? Because there's living water at the bottom of the well. It may be for you, but it's not called to end with you. As a Jesus follower, how many of you know you're not called just to be called, but you're called to go and to flow? Amen. How many of you know you're not blessed just to be blessed, but you're blessed rather to be a blessing? Amen. This thing, this living water at the bottom of a well, it's not supposed to stop with you. It's from him to you, through you, to them. Amen. This thing, it has to leave the well. If it only stays at the bottom of the well, then it's dormant and it's useless, it's untouched, untapped, and untasted. Living water isn't like wine. It doesn't age well the longer it sits. It actually profits you more the further out it goes. How do I know that? Check this out. Genesis 26, 28, last scripture. They said, We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, There be sworn a pact between us, between you and I. Let us make a covenant with you. Bless you. We see plainly. Who are these people who see plainly? They're the people that were their enemies that said that water at the bottom of your well, that actually belongs to us. It's on our property. I don't care if it was your dad's well back in the day. That's on our property. You found water on our property. That's ours. But because of how Isaac lived his life, following after God, being led by the Holy Spirit, understanding who he was. The God of his father, Abraham, was the creator of all the universe because he lived and he was directed by and he dug where God told him to dig and he went where God told him to go and he did what God told him to do and he believed for what God told him to believe for what was an enemy what was a grave robber what was somebody who was trying to steal his birthright what was somebody who positioned themselves in direct opposition to him it's an amazing statement he says we see plainly talked about distortion earlier. There's no distortion here. You've been with God. I can see plainly that your finances, you've been with God. I can see plainly by your job, you've been with God. I can see plainly by your marriage, because Matt's been an absolute idiot in his life, that Matt and Adrian have been with God. I can see by what takes place in the back of an auditorium or in the living room at the boys' house, that there's healings that take place, that there's partition that takes place, that God moves and signs and wonders and the miraculous. Plainly, 
complain with that you've been with God. And when others see plainly that you've been with God, when you don't keep this living water to yourself, and you keep digging, you keep digging, you keep going, and you deliver it to those around you, living water has no chance of getting stagnant because it keeps moving through you. So when someone's marriage is in crisis and they've seen the Lord do a work in yours, guess where they're going? In your house. Someone's body is in shambles or their mind feels broken. Depression is running great of it. They don't know what to do. But they see it plainly that you've been with the Lord. Guess where they're going? Your house. When they see that you're a part of a church that actually believes for the miraculous to happen, and not only do you believe, you actually see it. And somehow by the grace of God, not by how Matt preaches or how good our worship team is, but by the grace of God, we host the presence and in the presence is actually Jesus himself. And he does something in the service of someone's body. Guess where they're going? Your church. This living water is for you, but don't let it die with you. There's a war for our well. And it's a war that I intend every single person in this auditorium listening to the podcast or under the sound of my voice. It is a war that I fully intend doing my utmost to see you win. Amen? Amen. Would you guys stand up? We're going to go to one last song of worship. I was talking to Amy earlier this week. She sent me the set list. And I was like, girl, we really sing a new line after my message. She said, yeah, why? Is that a problem? I'm like, no. It's an answer. Because much like digging again the wells of Abraham, when God says, I want you to go here and I want you to dig this up and I want you to change this and I want you to fix this and I want you to go deeper but it's going to get past this unforgiveness. You can't put new wine in old wine skin. It taints it. So much like digging again the wells that your God has set before you. I believe that we're going to shed some old wineskin today. We're going to shed some old unforgiveness. We're going to shed some old mindsets, some old depression, some old anxiety, some old beliefs. And we're going to get new wine. We're going to get new wine flowing in this place. And we're going to believe again, just like I have dug the wells again. We're going to believe again for God to move mightily in our lives.